All right, we're back. Collateral Banter episode 24. I'm your host, Danny T. On today's episode, we want to talk a little bit more about foreign intervention in wars. Venezuela is on my mind quite a bit. There's been a lot of debates about what the role is of the U.S. government and trying to overthrow Maduro. I don't know what the impact of that will be in politics if it does succeed. So far, it looks like the military is backing Maduro and it hasn't broken apart. So Maduro looks like he's safe in power. But this entire episode with Venezuela reminded me of a few years ago dealing with France and Libya and the story of Nicolas Sarkozy. So I will discuss this connection because I think it tells you just how intricate any political story is when it involves oil, how many actors are really involved. It made me think of France. You know, as a country going back to the Iraq war, that opposed the invasion of Iraq by George W. Bush. It thought it was a war for oil, France and the country and people were opposed to the intervention. It was a needless war. And I listened to that, kind of believed, wow, France is really standing up to American intervention, American imperialism. France was standing by. I remember when the U.S. changed the names of the French fries to freedom fries. I mean, that's how crazy things were in the aftermath of invading the Iraq war. However, a former president elected in 2007 was Nicolas Sarkozy. He was considered pro-U.S. He was going to align more closely with the U.S. And I found it to be really interesting that uh, during the Arab Spring, protesters in Libya rose up against Muammar Gaddafi. And so as the protesters in Libya rose up, like they were doing in many countries throughout the Middle East, I remember seeing an article that said NATO was taking over the intervention in Libya to stop the Gaddafi government from crushing the protesters. And interestingly, the articles said that the French were leading this intervention. So I found that to be fascinating how quickly the French changed. And then a few years later, when there were stories written about this period from emails, Hillary Clinton's emails that were published. Of course, that connects to the election. They show that Sidney Blumenthal, a consultant for Hillary Clinton, was providing her information on what was going on in Libya. And I think that this story is so fascinating. What were the reasons behind the French intervention? So one source that Sidney Blumenthal told Hillary Clinton was that that Muammar Gaddafi wanted to build a pan-African currency, displacing the French franc, which is used in West Africa and certain former colonies by France. And so backing it up with about $7 billion in gold and creating this sort of pan-African currency was a way of displacing French dominance in the region. So Sarkozy wanted to say, hey, you're not interfering in our economic and foreign relations. Who do you think you are? I would say maybe that's a reason, sure. But I would say these are the more important reasons probably why it happened. Libyan oil. Libya has a lot of oil and a lot of unexplored, untapped oil reserves. France is very much dominated by nuclear power, but of course they want to diversify in that, and then French oil companies want to find new resources of oil 
to sell in the market and become profitable. And Sarkozy was looking to reform the French economy and wanted the companies to be growing and investing and all that good stuff. But it comes down to, hey, there's an opportunity right here to remove Gaddafi from power in Libya and get French companies exploring oil in Libya. And so it looks like a win-win for Sarkozy. Also, intervening in Libya is a good way to extend the French reach into the West African region, reestablish sort of a, I don't know, what do you call it, a neo-colonial state of some sort. Maybe Sarkozy was looking to bolster his support domestically among the French population. And so what better way to do that in an election year for Sarkozy, despite the fact his polls numbers were declining? What better way to boost his support before an election than fighting a war? Which is a scenario I guess a lot of us are talking about right now with, hey, our war is war around the corner. I mean, we're, we're seeing this potentially in Pakistan and India, and people are now saying there's intervention between the U.S. and Venezuela, and I'm bringing up a story that happened a couple of years ago involving France and Libya and the intricacies there. But here is some fascinating things. So Sarkozy was likely doing it to bolster his support among the French population, expand French corporate interests in Libyan oil, and show off French military power to the world. It wasn't just the U.S. that had military power. The French could do it. It'd be a quick intervention. It would establish democracy. Maybe it's like a mini Iraq. I I don't want to speculate on all that. One poll had 66% of the French population supporting the Libya intervention, which is a little shocking when I read that. It made me think like, wow, that intervention, and it was sold as a humanitarian intervention to prevent Libya, to prevent Libya's dictator Muammar Gaddafi from killing off protesters. So this was seen as a way of preventing slaughter. However, is that really the reason and the motivations for intervention? I mean, really think to yourself, is that that really, you're going to risk your lives to prevent a greater evil by this dictatorship? I don't believe it. I don't, I think it's crazy. I think the economic interests were the reasons they did it. I, yeah, sure. Maybe they also wanted to, to to prevent a military attack against populations by Qaddafi's forces. But the economic interest is the reason why I've also heard Trump interested in Venezuela. Hey, that's that's the country with all the oil, right? Now, look, there are a lot of countries around the world with a lot of oil. And you have a lot of countries in Central Asia, Kazakhstan, Turkmenistan. You have a, you have a bunch of countries in Central Asia full of oil. Totally see an intervention there. But there's also Venezuela with enormous reserve. Now, that's the interesting part about this story. So there's a potential, and this is a long shot belief, here that the intervention by Sarkozy against Gaddafi had something to do with the fact Gaddafi wanted to establish a currency backed by his own gold reserves in the region and displacing the French franc, which is used currency in that region among the former French colony. Plausible, maybe. It's hard to prove. Hard. It's very difficult. But I think the oil motivations, the French wanting to show off their military, and Sarkozy's desire to maybe get that poll boost and maybe win re-election. Well, we know the outcome of that intervention. Well, initially, it looked very successful. This National Transition Council took over, and the National Transition Transition Council met with Sarkozy and was financed by them. 
Now, that is so fascinating. That it was financed by the French. I mean, this is how, so not only is there an intervention, there's also a domestic intervention, financing a local group that is aligning with your interest to make peaceful transition to democracy in Libya. Mind you, after that transition held an election and there was a new government, the country dissented into chaos, civil war, the, this transition... National Transition Council essentially lose control. Now there's a feud between rebel al-Qaeda-like forces versus a military general. The Congress had to move out to sea because it was just so unsafe to be in the country. The country has essentially collapsed after this intervention. Yeah, there are two other fascinating stories that I just had to share of how crazy these interventions for oil get. Total, a French oil company, did get a small boost immediately after the removal and the killing of Gaddafi. However, most of the oil contracts that Libya awarded went to the Chinese and Russian. So, French intervention, French financing of the National Transition Council, and the Chinese and Russian companies end up exploring and producing the oil out of Libya. I mean, that's, that's, that is the world we live in today, isn't it? That is just, that really says it all. <laughs> but the reason why I really wanted to do a story on this is the fact that this story by Vice News on Sarkozy and Gaddafi also tells a hidden story of corruption by Nicolas Sarkozy. Now, the allegations yet to be proven in a court of law in France, although the story, so what happened? There's this investigative news site called Mediapart, and it's in French, but there are some stories published in English. In 2012, they published official documents that they obtained from Umar Gaddafi. And it talks about financing Sarkozy's presidential campaign. They gave some 50 million euros to Sarkozy. So, so it's like a web. Sarkozy gets corrupt money from Gaddafi. And then years later, Gaddafi is overthrown by the French. Oh my goodness, that is so crazy. That is that is so wild how things happen like that in the sort of hidden world of politics. And this is why leaks and disclosures are so important to what really happens in politics, to informing the public, to informing us about what is really happening. So I actually went to Mediapart's website and I read the story. And from what I could gather, it seems like they were financing Sarkozy's presidential campaign through art. They were selling paintings and using the profits from those paintings to then launder their way into Sarkozy's presidential campaign. And it was supported by Gaddafi. I haven't read stories in the French press yet about this, if he's been convicted or if there's a trial upcoming, because I believe he was under pressure and was being investigated. And I think charges may be filed in the future about this. This shows you how intertwined the political elites are in the world, how each character is out there to boost their own self-interest through interventions how there's shady financing going on by dictators that, hey, before you were killing your own people, but we didn't care because there was potential business to be made and you were the legitimate government, so let's let's make some deals and contracts. Gaddafi did come to France to visit Sarkozy. So Gaddafi got uh, a showing of the Louvre, got to, got to hunt what they called Rumbiot's Forest, 
I butchered that, a, a hunting ground for French kings, a private tour of the Louvre, and he got to set up his tents. That's where Gaddafi stays in Hotel Margini, which is the place for state visitors. Italy did this as well. The Italians are also connected to Gaddafi. Again, so interesting how Gaddafi is connected to so many leaders in the future, and I've begun a little bit of research about this. Gaddafi is also connected to the UK, so it's unreal. The Lockerbie bombing and the shady stories that were produced about that, I, that deserves its own episode, so I don't want to lose focus entirely about this. But this one is just shocking and fascinating about uh, the stories about French intervention, potential financing of Sarkozy's campaign by Gaddafi through artworks, art paintings, and the fact that this was all a intervention supposedly to stop the bloodshed. The French people, 66% supported the intervention. Yet we then see what the fallout is. The fallout is the destruction of the country, of any sort of stability left in the country. The country collapses, corporations then move in, and it turns out that the French companies, yeah, they're still producing there, but the vast majority of contracts went to Chinese and Russian companies, which I have to assume were probably backing Gaddafi. I mean, it's just so fascinating how these stories go about. Man, man, it's so blows my mind every time just hearing about this. Oil money corrupts not just uh, the country leadership that the oil is being produced in, but it corrupts other governments of the world, even those that are democratically elected and have the rule of law and all of that stuff. But how oil money is just so powerful and so rich. People need a campaign. That is that is the story I was uncovering. But I just think the part about Gaddafi financing Sarkozy potentially to 50 million euros. And it seemed like the documents that media parts published were authenticated by a French court, meaning that the documents were real and authenticated, meaning there was possibly a transaction of this sort. Again, it's just so crazy how intertwined the leaderships are. So I felt like I had to share that story with people. And of course, many people saw that it was Hillary Clinton as well when she was Secretary of State that gave the green light for the Libya intervention, which I think a lot of people to her left in the Democratic Party, a lot of Bernie supporters, used that as as a way to discredit her, right? So there's a connection even to the United States, right, that Hillary Clinton made that statement. We came, he saw, he died. She kind of I think she giggled or laughed uh, at that statement. And again, a brutal dictator that represses his own people, and yet how many lives have been lost now? That's the thing about intervention is you're going out intervening to stop a certain act from happening, yet your intervention then releases a new set of problems and new sets of people will die from it because the central authority of government that provides stability withers away. So other people are going to die, and new people uh, will die because of that intervention and the lawlessness that erupts throughout the country because of it. You can look at the intervention and say, look, it stopped Gaddafi, and he was a brutal dictator, and, it's, and that's, uh, that's fine. I also wanted to add one more thing about Libya. Before the intervention, I looked at something called the Human Development Index. It's published by the United Nations. And I was shocked to learn that Libya was among the high development level for a country. It was in an elite group, the highest level of development. 
in its category. Obviously, this was prior to the removal of Gaddafi and things like this. So again, I'm not saying that there wasn't repression and violence and there wasn't a dictatorship at all. But according to the Human Development Index, which you can look up and see for Libya before 2012, I believe, to look up 2011, 2010, 2009, Libya was really high and had a very high figure. And of course, the Human Development Index looks at many factors. They look at literacy, economic development. They look at a range of different factors. That is most fascinating, how people's lives, despite it being a dictatorship, relatively developed for a country living under a dictatorship, largely because of the oil money and the fact that the sanctions were removed and Gaddafi began to make deals with the United States and Europe and, and things like that, paid the Lockerbie families to remove the sanctions, which I will get back to. But I also feel that Libyan story impacts today North Korea. Look how the North Koreans must look at negotiating with Trump from their perspective. Well, there was this case after the Iraq war where Gaddafi gave up his weapons to the United States and they made promises of Gaddafi becoming very wealthy. The country was going to be developed, a bunch of new investments, the economies were going to grow. Everything was going to be great. Then we see the NATO intervention led by the French, French financing the local group, and we get the killing of Gaddafi in video. And what must Kim Jong-un and the Koreans think? They must think about this when they're making decisions that, hey, I'm going to give up my nuclear weapons program. That's going to be our end result. That's going to be the end result is that you give it up and eventually there might be an intervention when you're least expecting it, when the economy is growing again. That to us, that of how dangerous and intertwined the oils, the oil economy, oil relations, corruption is, is intertwined not only regionally to where Libya is and the surrounding countries that have relations with the government, but across borders, across countries uh, that want the oil. They want the oil exploration because they, they want it for their own corporations or their own people, and they want to explore that. And the Chinese and Russians are the ones that ultimately didn't even need to intervene and yet won the oil uh, contracts for Libyan oil. That, that's fascinating to me. So, so if you were to analyze this from an imperialist, perspective. The French do the intervention, the Libyan people suffer, and Chinese and Russian companies reap a, a large part of the oil revenues and profits from it. And yet the Libyan people suffer the consequences from it. I don't look at opinion polls. They can change all the time. But I wonder if the Libyan people think that the intervention and the overthrow of Gaddafi made things worse for their lives, despite that initial euphoria, right? And again, I've told so many stories of how Libya is connected to both the United States North Korea, France, as I was talking about Nicolas Sarkozy and his campaign. It's so wild how it is intertwined. That about wraps up what I wanted to say on Libya and France. I will probably do another episode in the future about Libya and the United Kingdom. I'm going to bring Adam Curtis into it. He's a filmmaker from the BBC, but also talk about the Lockerbie stories. It is just insane how oil can corrupt governments and people all around the world. Yes, that wraps up episode 24 of Collateral Banter, but I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for more. Thank you for listening. This is Danny T. Hopefully you enjoyed Collateral Banter. More to come. 
and I will continue doing stories like this that I think are important for people to listen to as the world teeters on the brink of chaos and violence and war. Isn't that great? Isn't it great to be alive in 2019? Right, March 6th, 2019. Collateral banter. Thank you again. <laughs>